they're not done. But we decided they could get a little break because I don't know if you've ever sung with a mask on, but it's a bit more of a workout than uh, singing is normally because the breath in is not just a little shallow refill your lungs. You've got to gasp to get that air back in after that. So, so they're going to do four, and then they're going to take a little break, and then they're going to come back. But uh, while they rest for a minute, that gives me a chance to talk to you specifically about what they were just singing right then. This song, Emmanuel, this has actually been a song that uh, has been one our family has known for years. I can't even ima- I think how far back that goes when we first learned this song. Do you, oh, we have a suggestion. Yes. Was our theme song at our first church plant. There you go. So amazing, beautiful words to this song. Emmanuel, our God is with us. Where do those words come from? Well, originally, that's, it's an Old Testament phrase, but let me read you this context that you probably know it from. This is Matthew chapter 1, beginning in verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins." All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, if you were to go back to the original context of that, you would find it in Isaiah chapter 7, and it's an interesting story. And if you were to read it, you might not automatically connect it with the reality of the birth of Jesus. But yet God is powerful with His Word, and He says so many things through His Word that there is often what He is saying in the time and place when it takes place, but there is also the ultimate fulfillment that will take place within the larger plan that God is working out. And this reality of Emmanuel, God with us, was a concept that probably what it ultimately would be fulfilled in Jesus, probably that was beyond what anyone was expecting it to mean. It's a Hebrew word, obviously a Hebrew word. It has L at the end of it. That means God. And my son Aaron just finished studying Hebrew, so he could probably tell you more about it than I could. But, uh, but don't make fun of me if I mess it up. But I at least got that part right, didn't I? Yeah, okay. So... So, Emmanuel, God with us. Well, we might imagine what that would mean. Oh, well, of course God is with us. He's, he's in the temple. You know, if you were of the Jewish mind in that day, that might have been what you thought about that. He will, he will be in the temple. We can find Him there. Or, or his, his presence is with us uh, through the services, through, through, the, through the law through the statutes, 
through the practices, God is with us. Well, you could make that case, and that would be true enough. But what nobody realized, what nobody fully understood, was that it was central to God's plan, not just that He be with us hypothetically in the context of the tabernacle or the context of the activities, but that God Himself would become one of us. That He would be one of us. That He would truly be with us. So to get a little better understanding of this, I want to go to the book in the New Testament that is named for the Hebrews. The book of Hebrews itself. And the author here attempting to write to a people who are schooled in the law, who understand the role of the priests, who who had the concept of God in the temple, but now are attempting to understand the great work that God has done through the Incarnation where Emmanuel has become more than hypothetical, more than a theory, but reality. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 11. If perfection could have been attained through the Levitical priesthood, and indeed the law given to the people established that priesthood, why was there still need for, one, for another priest to come, one in the order of Melchizedek, not in the order of Aaron? You see, anyone that was Jewish that you had made the case to that this Jesus has come as the high priest for us and is now serving, making intercession for us, your first thought would be, he can't be priest. He's not of the tribe of Levi. But the case the author is making here is, no, this is something more than what was laid down in the law. Because the law says only one uh, of the Levitical tribe could be a priest. But the point being made here is if that could have brought perfection, that would have been sufficient. But it wasn't sufficient because the priesthood never was able to bring about perfection even in themselves, much less in the others. Verse 18, the former regulation is set aside because it was weak and useless. For the law made nothing perfect. And a better hope is introduced by which we draw near to God. God with us, we draw near to God. So what's he saying here? He's saying the law has a purpose. The law tells us good from evil. But the law in and of itself is incapable of making us perfect. I've known the law most of my life. Hasn't made me perfect. So something more was needed. Something, something stronger. A better hope by which we might draw near to God. Verse 20, And it was not without an oath. Others became priests without any oath. But he... Jesus became a priest with an oath when God said to him, The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever. Because of this oath, Jesus has become the guarantor of a better covenant. Now there have been many of those priests 
since death prevented them from continuing in office. But because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Everything about us is temporary, isn't it? It doesn't go forever. Therefore, we needed a priest whose ministry did go forever, who passed beyond our limitations, who was able to obey when we could not, who was able to live when we cannot. One who has been tested in all ways as we have, yet without sin. One who faced death but overcame the grave, yet one who truly was one of us. Verse 25, Therefore He is able to save completely those who come to God through Him because He always lives to intercede for them. Jesus, right now, lives to intercede for you that you can come to the Father. Such a high priest truly meets our needs. One who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. Unlike the other high priests, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. He sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself. For the law appoints as high priests men in all their weakness, but the oath which came after the law appointed the Son who has been made perfect forever. This is our Lord. This is the one who was born that we might live. We go over to Hebrews chapter 10. Beginning in verse... I can't turn one page. There it is. Beginning in verse 19. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body. Why was it so important for God to be with us? Why was it so important that Jesus would be born? Because through him, he became the curtain. He became the means by which we approach the unapproachable glory of God. He became the intercessor that stands and invites us through Him to come to God. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, what do we do? Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. All right, I don't know how you came in today. I don't know how you're feeling in your heart. But the call here is that we would have sincere hearts. That our hearts would be singularly committed to God. Now, recognizing our imperfection, recognizing our failing, yet desiring in our hearts that we would be singular for God. That we could come with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience. Anyone struggling with a guilty conscience? Jesus was born that you could be free from this. That you could be forgiven for the failing. 
and that you could be released to live and having our bodies washed with pure water to cleanse us. We can walk out of here today cleansed. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for He who promised is faithful. Do you understand why that night when Jesus was born, why the angels were so eager to sing praise? Very few humans understood at all what was going on, but the angels knew this one who was born was now God with us, and through him we would be able to come to the Father. We could be redeemed. We could be cleansed. The guilt taken away no longer did we have to stay away from God. Now we were invited close. Luke 2, verse 8, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom His favor rests. Isn't it awesome that we have an angel choir here today? who can sing Alleluia to that God. Cantate Domini, sing to the Lord. This is what our hearts long to do when we understand who the one born in the manger is. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. May our hearts truly sing hallelujah.